Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Now, we've done it, folks. 30 episodes. We have done it. 30 episodes right there. We've, we've done amazing things. So, joining me now for The Upcoming's 30th episode is a woman who just adores the world of film and creative writing. She is an alum of University of Central Florida with a degree in uh, English with creative writing, and she's taken her aspirations in storytelling to new heights into the film world. She has been a film producer and development contractor with Amendment 28 Films, which mm-hmm. I love to hear about. And she's also been a script reader for a uh, roadmap writer. So she's had a lot of experience in what makes good storytelling, and what makes bad, and when she's not in film. She is doing ELA, that's English and Language Arts, mm-hmm. a tutor for children into the 6th and 8th grade. So she is, yeah, 6th to 8th grade, I'm sorry. So she's, yeah, done so much. And it feels like such a short time, but for, for her, we we just can't, we, we, we have to have her here. We have to have her. So ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the great Jennifer Mooser. How's it going, Jennifer? Hi, nice to meet everybody. I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. So just again, thank you so much for coming. So <laughs> no problem. As usual with the upcoming, we let our guests introduce themselves. So please mm-hmm. tell us who and what exactly are you? Well, I'm I'm kind of all over the place to start off, but I am an independent contractor first and foremost with the biggest love for film that I I've known uh, in my family. And so, like you were saying, I started off with script reading for Roadmap Writers, which was an absolute blessing. I got to understand a lot about script reading and just writing in general. So the more scripts that I read, the better my writing became. And then turning the the written word into like a visual narrative was really cool to see compared to the novel background that I had had before college. So that was really fun. Aside from that, though, I do teach ELA, like like you were saying. It is a very rewarding job, does have its days, like every career, but it is something I've been able to meet a lot of wonderful people. I've actually met some people in film through ELA, oddly enough, but the kids are great. I I really enjoy my job. Uh, But so aside from that, though, I do work with Amendment 28 Films as her development coordinator, and the owner of the company is Zell Anders. She's fantastic. Just an absolute amazing boss. I really love working with them. And so we're currently working on projects that focus on female empowerment and how much time and effort they've dedicated to creating the world we know as women today. So it's been a, it's been a really exciting journey and she's really been helping me become the producer that I want to be. It's been really exciting. <laughs> that is an amazing, amazing story. So <laughs> now let's just get into the nitty gritty of it all. Please tell us. <laughs> Just, um, I want to go into your um, experience in in film and just like go into your background, like what what drives you, what gets you. Mm-hmm. So, my first question for you is just this: What about film drives you so much? 
honestly, it's I've always seen film, especially growing up, as a gateway into worlds that even though they are fictional, we feel like we can access them at such an easy level. And the magic that comes from those gateways, I I I'm just fascinated by it. And so in addition to that though, I want to create films so I can indulge in the creation of that magic and help bring that to other people since it is it, it's inspired me to stay in this industry and to push my boundaries and really grow as a writer. And I want to bring that to other people so that they have the confidence to do that as well. It's, it's such a magical world. <laughs> it really, it really truly is. And to think that it's inspired, you know, billions just around the world mm -hmm. and brought mm -hmm. about the greats, the greatest storytellers ever. It's exactly. Random question. This is a random question. It's tough to head. You have, <laughs> like a director who's like truly inspired you? Recently, I went to see Avatar Way of Water and James Cameron has just, he just stays with me. There's something about his imagination. There, there are no boundaries to his imagination. It's like, he can just, he goes, you know what? That's an idea. And then he turns it into this incredible production. I mean, filming underwater, putting the suits on, it's, it's amazing what can come from a little spark of his idea. So he is definitely a director that I have been following for a while. And I'm always just blown away. I'm like, man, I wish I, I want to be like him one day. <laughs> so he's, he's very talented and very inspiring. Yeah, he's a gifted, gifted mm. director. Him, mm -hmm. like Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, mm -hmm. Cohen Brothers. Exactly. Like there's exactly. just so much talent that you wonder, like, is this person, how, how do they do it? Absolutely. It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> nice. But maybe, how did you know you wanted to do film? Now, besides, you know, what drives you so much, when mm -hmm. did you first realize that this was your passion, this was your destiny? Funny story. So I started out in college as a biology major, mm -hmm. and I wanted to go into, like, really go into the sciences, especially veterinary medicine. And I wanted to become, like, a holistic equine veterinarian then the other day I was like you know what I want to be a marine biologist and then I kind of went off on the rails over here for zoology and I was like I want to do all these things with animals so you started first with horses and then eventually with with sea life it, it just kind of whatever mood I was in that day that's what I wanted to do <laughs> but then I believe it was my the end of my sophomore year and I took a creative writing class because I enjoyed writing. I just didn't really have the time to do it. Hmm. So I thought, you know what? If I take a class, I'll be able to sit down and actually write something. And I fell in love with the concept, like how words are put together, what meanings come from different words, how I can put the same sense together in two different ways and yet they can meet, they can mean two different things. And so that was really fascinating for me. But that creative writing course, I went, oh man, this is, this is what I want to like really major in. So I ended up transferring schools after I finished my AA. I transferred to University of Central Florida. That's my that's still my home away from home. I'm a proud knight. And I took creative writing, very novel based. But at the end of my junior year, I was like, this just isn't working. Like I I'm not a big fan of the novel, you know, the prose. I said, okay, what else can I do? And I just happened to pick up a screenwriting course with one of my professors. And it, he, I remember him telling me on the first day of class, he's like, I'm going to bring you guys to the dark side uh, and you're never going to look back. And I swear I went from novel writing 
to screenwriting just like that. I mean, the second. And I thought, I can't go back. Like, I never wanted to look back. I just fell in love with film and the formatting and the way you could tell a story so differently. And, and, the, and the formatting made sense to me. It, it aligned more with my interest and my way of thinking. And so I just stuck with film. So that was at the beginning. I really jumped into film at the beginning of my senior year and just went through that. I mean, I did uh, I did independent studies. I did as many film classes that I, as I could for my electives. I mean, they were core classes. And I'm like, it's an elective. It'll get me somewhere. You know, more knowledge, more knowledge. Uh, I did an undergraduate honors thesis on a video game. So just, and did screenwriting for that. So just anything that was the visual art, just, I, I absolutely loved it. And so after college, or I guess semester before uh, I graduated, my that same professor said, I've got an internship opportunity for you. So he really kickstarted my career and he got me the internship with Roadmap Writers, which later turned into a job. So I just, it was like every day I was like, I just want to keep, keep learning and keep knowing and, and experimenting and finding different ways to explore this amazing world that for whatever reason has been in my life, as long as I can remember and I'm just now looking into it. And after that, it just, just one thing led to another. So now after doing the script reading, after being a PA on different sets, I'm working as a producer and it's just, it's, I look back now going, oh my goodness. Oh my, that was 2021. It's just, it's been a roller coaster of a ride, but it's been absolutely, it's been so much fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's so amazing, isn't it? How you were able mm -hmm. to just go from like science to just being able mm -hmm. to tell stories put them on the big screen if you, exactly. it's just writing could be just so wonderful like that and you're mm -hmm. actually it's funny enough you're the second guest i've had to tell me that they went from um novels to like screenplays and i feel like yeah i feel like it's just <laughs> and i'm sorry i was the same way too mm -hmm. i'll tell you prose and like creative writing it's just been sort of like that gateway to find mm -hmm. all the and styles and formats exactly. of writing it's just the best thing about writing there's never one way to do it you can just, exactly you can expand and i've always been fascinated too uh I, my professor had me do an adaptation in college and it was cool to take a novel and turn it into a visual you know a visual novel and after i saw that i was like i started adapting all of the stories that i would written into screenplay format I'm like this this is so much better but it's gotta think the art, I call it the art of adaptations. It's a pretty mm -hmm. fragile art when you it look is. at it because it really is. It's, there's like, you know, respecting the source material, but also mm -hmm. taking like creative liberties to it. So you're not only like, you're looking, you're just making it even better if you can. Right. Not like making mm -hmm. it just good. And so like, how would you examine how certain movies might fail or succeed at the art of the adaptation? Some films that I've watched, they've definitely made sacrifices. And I understand that's a very important part of adapting a novel to the screen. You have to make certain sacrifices to like put everything into that time frame. Because unlike a novel, we are very limited when it comes to a film. But when it comes to a film failing the adaptation, in my, in, in my opinion, <laughs> in my sole opinion, I would say that you need to include all of the important points. So really focus on the storyline and try to drive the really pretty like visual aspects of the novel. 
but make sure to not skip any beats because I have seen films that have skipped beats. And it's almost like, well, it's not really needed. No, 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 no. The beats are needed. It's more like the fluff, the things that, that accent the beats that maybe enhance the storyline, but are technically not needed. Those things you could probably take out. But as long as you keep the hardcore beats, the main storyline, then chances are you'll be fine. But it's yeah. it's almost like you want to take the the story and go. How can I how can I see this? That whatever picture that you're seeing in your mind, there's your film. So when you're reading your book, and you say, okay, if I can stick to this, then in my opinion, I think you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, because it just gets me thinking, you know, about all the adaptations that mm-hmm. let's say are good, like Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings, and create oh, a whole franchise off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. Hats off to that guy. He's he really knew what he was doing right there. But then you compare it to, let's say, the uh, Percy Jackson adaptations mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really just drove away from the source material and ended up just killing any chance of a franchise right there. Exactly. And, exactly. And it's just like she was saying, but there's only so many creative liberties you can take mm-hmm. with source mm-hmm. material before it sorts to sure. just, just, where you're wondering, like, wait, what, what am I watching? Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I do know of some films that they once were novels, but they made a, a bigger impact as films. And I believe that How to Train Your Dragon was one of those examples. So it started mm-hmm. off as a children's series and then turned into a film. At least I think I have that right, but it turned yeah. into a film series. Yeah, you know, Shrek was the exact same way. Cause I think that That's was, true. Yes, I think, like, mm-hmm. I think, I think it was Hans Christian Andersen, eh? Mm-hmm. on that that made the first shrek and you mm-hmm. know easy blow through but now we've got the whole shrek franchise you know exactly like, exactly it's amazing it's really cool what people can do you know, it's you look at a novel and you're like man that, that was a good book and then you go what would it be like as a film though oh wait it's a completely different story so, so you can look at different things you can inspect different things in adaptations that you may not be able to inspect in a novel and i always feel like that's really cool yeah, and honestly, we could go on and on about all the <laughs> great or or bad, but, mm-hmm. but that's a conversation for another day. Let's <laughs> uh, of all the films you've seen, uh, Jennifer, what were some that what was one that you've just still have made you like reflect the most on it and maybe still reflect on to this day? Honestly, I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, man. Do I have one film that I always go back to? And I was tied between a bunch of different films, but that's because I reflect on different ones for different reasons. So, for example, like if I'm thinking about comedy, I go to Jumanji. You know, with The Rock, I Jumanji, the with The Rock, and it, it's just, it's so good. It's such a good source of study because of the way the jokes land. If you think about it, all of those actors and actresses, they are very talented. And so they're able to incorporate their sense of humor into the film. It's just watching them. They all play with the timing, but maybe this one, you know, say the rock, I'm using an example, the rock will take three seconds to land a joke, but then maybe somebody else, Jack Black will take you know, 2.8 seconds. So it's almost like whatever works with them. There's so many different ways you can land jokes. And it's, I've always been fascinated studying comedy. Yeah. But if I'm thinking about world building or so, then I go to Avatar and look at how immersive it is and how complex that world is. 
I'm thinking about character development. Uh, I probably would reflect on when Harry met Sally and look at the different characters. I mean, I, I like how they kind of reflect one another throughout the story, but at the same time, they grow together as a unit. So they are growing independently. They, they, it's kind of like massaging that aspect. But at the end of the film, if you compare the end of the film to the beginning of the film, they definitely do grow as a unit and they mirror each other's behaviors to an extent. So it's almost like they are, they are learning and reflecting and able to learn from one another. And I just, even though there's a lot of time in between their meetings, I just, I love looking at their character development for that. But I would say that those are three of the films that I tend to reflect on. But I don't think I could pick just one. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, six, there's so many good films. But I think that's probably the, just the best kind of film. One where you where you actually study it and like look back on right. like how it, it was so good. Mm-hmm. That's honest. That's what makes a lot of films like Harry when Harry met Sally. That's what mm-hmm. makes it last. Yeah. Right. It's so good. <laughs> but we but we often toss around the word that makes me think of how people toss around the word classic because we hear like classics mm-hmm. a lot. When it's mm-hmm. going back to when you heard orchestra music almost throughout the entire film, right. when other people right. were talking or walking down the street, mm-hmm. and to now where you don't really have that, it's just a lot of talking. Um, right, exactly. It's, it's so it makes me wonder, like, how would you define, how would you define, or maybe even redefine the word uh, classic cinema? Classic cinema, I feel, has. There, there are multiple ways to go about that because some classic films started trends. So you can look at it maybe that way. Other classic films maybe reuse a lot of um, cliche trends, <laughs> but they, I would say that they are classic because they remind us of the good films that were once released in the past. They remind us of where we started. They remind us of inspirations that our grandmothers watched or our mothers watched, things like that. So I would, I tend to think of classic, if we're talking about like classic films as memories or trendsetters, perhaps. That's, I believe that's how I would, I would redefine just, it's a trendsetter. <laughs> All right, there we go. It's a trendsetter right there. <laughs> so now let's go into your experience. So mm-hmm. in your time when you were a script reader, mm-hmm. I, I gotta think, like, how did you, how did you examine the, the screenplays that were given to you and like how they were good, how they were bad and mm-hmm. how that helped you like grow as someone who, as, as a screenplay, you know, writer, reader yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a really cool job and it was an amazing opportunity. I definitely learned a lot about writing and especially about giving feedback to other writers. That is a very important part when it comes to writing, being able to produce feedback that, we don't want to hurt the writer's feelings because the writing their their project is their baby and so you don't want to go and say this is terrible you want to be able to say okay i see what you're going for maybe let's look at this too maybe let's try this you've got this comment on the good things but hey here's some things you may want to work on so whenever i got the screenplays i would get uh sometimes i would get two a week sometimes i would get ten a week it really depended it just depends on the the day or the week that I would get them. But 
I would go through world building, character development, I mean, story, voice, I would go into every little thing that I could think of, and even word echo, and talking about world immersion. So okay, word echo kind of detracts from us being immersed in the fantasy. Maybe let's try and change those words and just kind of, you know, we have a we have a lot of that and there are a lot of echoes. So let's, let's try and change those words. Maybe it'll give you a clear idea of what we're going for. It'll let readers kind of go, oh, okay, I see. And they won't be feeling they're you know, stuck in a cave hearing the same words over and over and over again. But <clears throat> reading through those screenplays helped me look at character development differently. So I was able to read screenplays written by hundreds of writers, all different styles. And I was able to go, oh, okay, so this person's developing their characters this way, but this person's developing their characters this way. And it was really cool to watch the different angles that these writers could come from. So I was able to then go back to my writing and go, okay, okay, I remember this one person did this. And I remember this person did this. Interesting. And I'd be able to kind of learn from their techniques as well. Even if they were a little spotty, it was still learning. It was still the technique that was like, you know what, though, you can grow off of that. Like, that's a good launch pad. So I was able to incorporate what I learned just by reading their screenplays into my own writing. And like, wow, the, the, the structure of their screenplay is very different than mine. That's interesting. And I understand why their characters react that way in their screenplay and why they wouldn't work in mine that way. And so it was, it was really cool to look at. But I definitely learned a lot because I'd break down the screenplay into those different categories. And then when I would write on my own, I would be able to break it down to those categories and go, oh, okay, see, that makes sense. And I understand. So. Yeah, yeah. So it really helps you grow as someone who can really analyze mm -hmm. uh, scripts mm -hmm. and be able to give the best uh, critiques possible. And that helps exactly. turn other writers mm -hmm. grow into their work as well. So it's mm -hmm. the perfect, you know, just <laughs> passing back and forth of just exactly. positive yet critical thinking. Exactly. exactly. Got, positive reinforcement. <laughs> reinforcement. There you go. But it's <laughs> really got me thinking about how people who you know, critique films for a living, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. how they um, look at a film. Because, like, take the great Roger Ebert, right there, who's made a whole career off of, mm -hmm. off of critiquing films. Now, he's, you know, praised a lot of films, but he's also mm -hmm. gone pretty hard on um, films that he didn't like. And mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> he, did not, <laughs> he did not hold back when uh, mm -hmm. giving the critiques. So, mm -hmm. you know, and looking at that and, like, how critics will often name, like, their worst movies and just, like, go hard on it or, like, right. you know, give constructive criticism or whatever. Mm -hmm. so how do you, like, look at how critics like, critics like him do um, their mm -hmm. work? I, I respect his style. Everybody has their own way of doing things. I may not agree with it entirely, but I definitely respect it. I mean, he has way more experience than I do. <laughs> so I do, I definitely respect the experience. But yeah, it, it really just depends on who the person is. Like I said, like, to each his own. So I can't really, can't really critique him on his, how he critiques things. But yeah, I definitely respect his style. I'm sure he, he has a lot of experience to back him up. So I, I'm like, hey, that that's fantastic. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> for you, man. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but 
sometimes though like the writer or the people who critique the films who are a little more blunt a little more straightforward sometimes they're some of the best people out there to actually critique your script because they won't waste time so they won't beat around the bush they will tell you exactly what's going on exactly what you need to fix they say hey you know what this is good so is this but if you really want this to be successful then we need to look at these three things so they are good people to talk to because like i said they don't waste time so yeah. they are somebody that are like a very valuable source when you're writing especially when you're writing yeah that is a hundred percent true <laughs> absolutely and you you're right everybody has their own style doing things some mm -hmm. like to beat around the bush others don't they just go all the way mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. just to show you just the diversity <laughs> of opinions right there and the way exactly it's a beautiful of, thing <laughs> it's kind of beautiful isn't it oh, man. uh but you know when you look at let's say let's say you look at a good story you know a good story mm -hmm. just all around 10 and 10 right there it's mm -hmm. like i would pay i would pay to see this movie twice uh, like, <laughs> i've done that <laughs> really okay there you go see that's how you know it was a good film exactly but, when you look at that story and just all the elements that made it so great, how have you like thought about incorporating those same kind of elements, those same kind of styles, those same, just like whatever it was, dialogue, mm -hmm. action, mm -hmm. direction. How have you looked to like incorporate that into your own writing and your own work? It depends on the type of story I'm writing. So right now I'm working on a sci-fi story. I tend to watch a lot of comedy though, because I, I love to laugh. I love to smile. I love to be entertained. But if I'm looking at like, watching films like Avatar, that is very sci-fi. If I'm watching things like uh, Maze Runner, you know, it's another sci-fi kind of kind of film. So it seems like from what I've seen in sci-fi, there are a lot of serious characters. It tends to be a serious new sci-fi. goes a lot with drama. You do have your sci-fi comedies, but I've seen more sci-fi dramas. And so with that, the story that I'm working on right now has a character that's very similar to that, you know, that idea where she's kind of serious, but she's like, I don't really want to, I don't want to mess around. I just want to do my job. But her supporting character is a complete opposite. He's the comedian of the group. So it's, I've kind of incorporated both styles of films into one. It's, I'm still trying to figure out how it works, but we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But uh, it, it depends. Like I said, it depends on the story that I'm writing. And then I'll just go to those films and be like, let's see what these, what these people do. Let's see how this film works. Why does it work like that? Okay, I see, I see. If it matches with mine or if it, maybe I can find things that enhance what I'm trying to write. I'm like, you know what? That's what I've been trying to say the whole time. I understand why they did their character like that. That makes a lot of sense. Then I will draw inspiration from that character. It kind of go, it's like when you meet somebody uh, in real life, you are inspired to be like them sometimes. Maybe they're super nice. Maybe they help people cross the street. Maybe they pay for somebody's dinner that they don't even know. Maybe they pay for groceries. But it's things that things like that where it's like, you know what? I'm gonna start doing that. You're still your own person, but you draw inspiration from other people. In this case, other characters. So I tend to treat characters and films like people in the world, where you go, you know what? I can draw something from them and just kind of keep them in the back of your mind as this this portrait that goes, oh, remember me? Remember me? <laughs> So I can look at characters and different aspects of like the story world or the structure of the film and think about it and how it can enhance my story. But most of the time I just look at them for sources of inspiration. Ah, amazing. 
you know, as I, I'm just imagining it right now. Just seeing it. <laughs> it's funny when you were going to say, uh, when you're talking about sci-fi, I wasn't thinking like comedies. It was also just mm-hmm. like all the great like sci-fi movies out there, like Interstellar, uh, mm-hmm. Arrival, you know, the fir- first two uh, Alien films. Like, oh my goodness. Amazing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you even have things like Independence Day. It's a fantastic uh, harmony of sci-fi and comedy. I, just, I love that movie. But uh, so that is definitely a good example. <laughs> so interesting how you can take sci-fi and just make it like either dark with the first two aliens or just light-hearted <laughs> like with Independence Day and even mm-hmm. with, like, and in black and everything. Exactly. Like, it's just that's the thing I love about it. There's just no one way to handle it. It can go sometimes genres. You can bend them like any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It film is such a it's such a complex but so fat such a fascinating world. I it's just it's fun. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So on to my next question, and let's just talk a little bit more about inspiration. Actually, I have one more question about that. As they say, like uh, fiction often if not always reflects reality. So mm-hmm. I wanted to take it into like your life, Jennifer, and just see like in what instances did like maybe an experience or just a thought you had just going about your day, you know, just nothing serious and then something big mm-hmm. happens. Or maybe something even small happened where it just brought an idea or like an inspiration for a story. Mm-hmm. Well, a uh, funny story. I had a dream one night and it was just a scene just this this was the first film dream that i'd had and where i was like oh my goodness this can be something this can be something and all i saw was like uh i was pretending to be the main character and i was following the supporting character into this underground bunker and there were species different species of things around me and the outfits were really weird it didn't really match the story topic but it was i was like Okay, this is interesting. I awakened the next morning, and as I'm getting ready for work, I'm like, I gotta write this down. I've gotta write this down. And I get to work, and I was working as an English tutor, a writing tutor there as well. And I had a couple minutes, and I just wrote down as much of the information, much of the dream as I can remember. And that is actually the story, the sci fi story that I'm still working on. I just, I'm like, you know what? It started off as a scene, and I'm kind of filling the rest in. It was just this one dream that came to me in the middle of the night. <laughs> but it was one that I was like, I've never had one of those dreams before. I've always had the very odd dreams where I'm like, I wonder what that meant. Okay, you get about you get up and go about your day. But this dream, I was like, no, there, there's something. There's purpose behind this one. There's something that I need to find behind this. There's a narrative. There's a narrative. So mm. that would probably be the, the biggest moment for me. Where I was like, oh, man, this could be something. <laughs> All from a dream. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely love how dreams work. They've made movies about people like having crazy adventures in their dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, Inception and this other mm-hmm. film, like anime film. I can't remember the name of it, but that's not that's not important right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just it's got to just like fascinate you how like big and small experiences can like just draw mm-hmm. inspiration for a story like in whatever genre mm-hmm. whatever mood that we're in really mm-hmm. honestly i mean the other day i heard this song on spotify and i had to stop what i was doing i went wait a minute 
because I could see the whole thing playing in my head as a movie. And I went, wait, wait, wait. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like closing my eyes and I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then a friend of mine at the time was like, are you good? I was like, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. I said, wait, wait, this is what I'm seeing. And they were like, what? And I was like, hold on, hold on. So, I mean, even songs that pop out on the radio, even if they're instrumental, it's sometimes they inspire me to say, you know what, there's a narrative here. What can I, what can I do with this? And just draw inspiration from that song, you know, the tone of it or something like that. But I mean, even it's funny how music can even contribute to the creation of a film, you know, the idea of a film. Some people use music when they write, they listen to music because it gets them in that creative mood. And I'm definitely one of those writers <laughs> where I'm like, I need to have music on. It just kind of gets me going. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now let's just uh, work away from your time as script reader <laughs> to now your work with um, Amendment 28 Films. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were assisting a producer, you were development coordinator, film producer right. yourself. So mm-hmm. how has your work like outside of just um, reading and writing sort of built your experiences and your knowledge of uh, the film life? So yeah, I, I definitely, I started off as a development coordinator with Amendment 28 Films. And honestly, that just came from a quick LinkedIn message where I was like, hey, I'm looking for some advice. Uh, I'm trying to get my career started in film and film industry. And I was wondering if you had any tips and tricks for me to get started. And she was like, I actually have some work for you to do. So we formed this partnership and started, I started helping her out with pitch decks and story bibles and uh, fundraising. So I, she's been teaching me all these, all the different aspects that a producer has to be a part of. And it's, it's been, it's been fascinating. It's been complex. It's been fascinating. And you know how we read novels and we go, we can make something out of this. You know, let's contact the author. And so you contact the author but we've done a lot of different projects so far. Nothing has been released to the public yet. We are still in development, but two of the projects that we are kind of having, like leaving at the top of our list, the Paris bookseller and I believe it was a warrior of the people. So those are two stories really focusing on feminine empowerment and just how strong the female thought is and how such an impact they can make on the world, right? So. We, we tend to focus on the films that, that cater to those aspects and to those populations and just to show like, hey, we need to shine the spotlight on this lady. Like she's been amazing. And maybe it's someone we don't really know, but through research and reading, we can find these women and go, wait, 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 hold on. She needs the spotlight for a second. She's done wonders. So you want to call attention to those ladies and let them enjoy their moment in the spotlight because they definitely deserve it. So that's we focus on a lot of that. It's just that it's just like representation. It's just that representation right there. That's just a moment of giving mm-hmm. these women just the, the attention that they deserve, the spotlight, as you said. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, with that, you're just shining a light on just more artists, more producers, mm-hmm. more people who can just make, who to continue to make the <laughs> film industry, just make film in general just wonderful. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, as you continue to, you know, as you do that, um, for all these uh, different women in film, um, how has it just made you like feel about just the film industry period where so many of these um, wonderful and talented um, artists are just not getting, you know, that's st- that spotlight until you, mm-hmm. until you guys come along. I've def- it's definitely introduced the diversity of film 
and the different effects it can have on people. So whereas we're writing films and trying to produce films that focus on empowerment and current issues in the world, you know, racial issues and gender issues and things like that that are current in today's world. You can watch film the films that are dedicated to just making people laugh. You can watch films that are dedicated to telling a story or, or you know, reflecting on a cause. And so it's really cool to see how diverse just film can be in general and all the different pathways that it can take. But for the people who have not yet received the spotlight, I, I would love to be able to help provide that and find other artists to work with so that everyone gets their chance. Because I mean, if people are spending time in their lives to dedicate to the world, to help improve the world, to almost fight for the larger population. And maybe it's not even them, but they're they're looking to improve the current state of the world for everyone else. I definitely think that's something that needs to receive focus and receive attention. Because that, that's that's very selfless and I, I I very much respect that from other people. So I I, I hope that one day whether I'm working with other writers or I'm kind of doing it on my own or I've got my, my crew with me, I would love, absolutely love to just say, you know what, what have you done? And they're like, I've done this. Cool. Let's write a film. Just even if it's a short film, we need to give you your spotlight. So it's like a, a thanks to them for everything that they've done for us. So That is beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. And it's just amazing work. You know, just with more people getting that voice, getting that spotlight, mm-hmm. you're able to just make, the right kind of change to mm-hmm. film. We're just, where everybody's able to just get that moment to shine. And mm-hmm. even that great stories can be told because people like are always saying like, we want originality. We want something right. good. And there mm-hmm. it is. But exactly. It's just that another thing that, actually now that we're talking about originality, that's another thing I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. before we moved on. Because yeah. a lot of people are, you know, just demanding that kind of originality mm-hmm. where they're saying like we're tired of all these worn out franchises we're tired of all right. these sequels and adaptations we want something mm-hmm. no one has thought of yet and they got that you know last year with everything everywhere all at once right it, mm-hmm. which killed at the box office but now i want to get your opinion on this on this topic uh jennifer like how do you see just these conversations about originality and sequels everything mm-hmm. to an extent i believe that sequels are more for the fans who've been there since day one of the film so they may not be as concerned about originality because they just want to be back you know back home in their film world so like for me um avatar is like a, a film home away from home or harry potter you know the adaptations for harry potter i i love being in that world i'm very happy i dress up like a like a witch and i'm happy and ready to go but it's it's a that's a, more like a comfort thing. Sequels, I feel like, are there to say, "Hey, remember? You want to come back for a visit? You know, re- reconnect with old characters and stuff like that, old people, friends." But if there's not a fully established fan base yet, it sequels can be used to kind of help drive the first film home a bit more. Be like, "Hey, so the second one's really good, but like, go check out the first one, like where everything started." But I don't know. I I guess I would say that if you're trying to produce a sequel, then you definitely need to make sure that the first one has enough power behind it to almost carry over into the sequel. So even though it can enhance, the sequel can enhance the first one, 
the first one has to be there first to kind of push the other one along. Like, hey, this is why there's enough motivation. This is why we went and made a sequel. Because what I would say. Yeah, you're right. The sequels are there for the fans. That's why we have the MCU mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, fans are having mixed opinions on that. But <laughs> yeah, time, you, so I've heard. Yeah, so, so the 2010s was like the decade of pretty much fan service mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. a lot of fans of the comic books could just enjoy just so many great films like the first Avengers, Infinity mm-hmm. War. Mm-hmm. I was and by the way, I was there uh, just to prove it. I was there. Um, I was at the theater for Endgame, like the weekend that was coming out, and you've never Ooh. heard just a louder theater when all the oh, big. It's it's truly amazing what what film can do for mm-hmm. fans of a franchise. Mm-hmm. It, it's really neat to see all the emotions that. You can bring forth and it, it gets people excited it makes it makes them feel like they can relate to someone or something and i i, I find that it's it's really cool that someone can provide a home away from home for them mm-hmm. that's so true <laughs> so true but let's just now look at like let me ask you just a random question what genres do you think might not get the most like or at least not get enough attention uh, in film. Mm. I have a feeling that they all get different types of attention. Documentaries, I see a lot of documentaries, but I hear more about the fictional films, you know, like the comedies, the drama, the adventure. So I would say in my opinion, documentaries or even short films actually short films is is a big one because i don't hear a lot about short films i hear more about feature lengths so if we're talking about genres within short film i would say i don't see a lot of comedies when it comes to the short films i see a lot of animation i see dramedies i see adventure but they're always so quick it's like what about something that's just funny it's just entertaining yeah so I don't really know of a lot of comedy short films. So I would say maybe in that aspect, that might be a good genre to look into that needs just a little more attention. But then again, I, I am biased because I definitely enjoy my comedies. <laughs> so. But you're right. We don't see a lot of talk about short films. Like, let's just look mm-hmm. at the Oscars where mm-hmm. people would never even heard of the short films that mm-hmm. were nominated Marcella Shell with exactly. or the that one Fox Horse Mullen Boy I think it was. That was mm-hmm. that was cute though. I did watch that one. That was really sweet. I just like the <laughs> I just like the title and, and just obviously <laughs> so so cute right there. Mm-hmm. I think it's based off a mm-hmm. book too. Mm-hmm. I actually have that book. <laughs> really? I yeah. did it was cool to compare them. Yeah, but yeah it just when you say that it's just not enough like comedies and like these short films, it got me thinking a lot of, you know, classic shorts. Like, remember the Pixar shorts? Mm-hmm. Right there? Mm-hmm. That was like the perfect blend of like lighthearted humor yeah. and just in mm-hmm. a short film right there. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And so if people really started to pay more attention to 
you know, short films and really began to give that more recognition. How do you think, do you think that would change anything at all or would it just stay relatively the same? I feel like if people are able to look more into the comedy short films, it would be like they're able to watch a film with less time. So maybe they want to do something, they want to get a laugh in, but they just don't have a lot of time to do it. That's kind of like your perfect option. You can turn on the computer, turn on your TV and say, you know what? Let me go find a short film. I want to laugh. Yeah, I've only got 15 minutes, though, so I, I got to be quick. But you can look into that, and that might – I know laughing is really good for the health as well. So I'm, I'm a total supporter in comedy working with the, the human body and the human mind. But I definitely think if people paid more attention to short films within the comedy genre, that it would benefit. It would benefit a lot of people. I, I tend to see that a lot of dramas are coming out that are really telling – a deep story, a deep emotional story. And after everything that the world has been through in the past few years, I'm like, you know what? We could use some more comedies just to make us laugh, say we made it, we're, we're good, you know, we're still moving forward. So I, I definitely think that comedy is a very important aspect to the film industry. And if people don't have a lot of time, then they can go watch a short film. It's kind of the best of both worlds. There you go. There you go right there. So... That's your time uh, in film. I want to just uh, take that moment and just bring it off to your time as an ELA tutor, because we talked a little bit about that before the mm -hmm. meeting. And I want to see how just that experience of just being able to teach, you know, young younger people, just these kids, mm -hmm. English and language arts, how that is sort of built to you. Not even just as a screamer, but just kind of as a person. It's definitely been almost a refresher course for everything that I learned way back in school. You know, where I'm like, okay, what was this again? I'm like, oh, what? oh, that's a really interesting way to, to talk about that. You know, we talk we talk about summarizing, comparing and contrasting different things. We talked about finding the main idea and supporting details, and uh, there was another one, drawing and supporting inferences. And that was a big one. And I used film to kind of provide an example for that. I was like, think about when you're drawing and supporting inferences. When you're drawing an inference, you're getting to know somebody better, right? So there's different words that you can use to kind of, one word can mean two sentences worth of things. So somebody's going, uh, you know, she was, she was sitting and vibrating in her chair with these wide eyes. Then you can tell, okay, she's, she's excited about something. She's maybe since she's excited, maybe she's a little outgoing. Okay, so then that can break down into, okay, maybe she's more of an extrovert. Extrovert. Okay, and you kind of like can break them down into different categories and learn even more about the character. They go into different layers. But I incorporated film into that. I'm like, think about your favorite film. And they were like, okay. And I said, now, take that film. Take your favorite character. And they're like, okay. I said, all right, cool. So now, think about that character as if you're getting to know them as another person. And because we do tend to build these emotional relationships and friendships with characters on screen, even though we're technically not in the room with them, we just tend to, it's the hearing them talk, hearing them respond to different things. We feel like we're, we feel like we're in the room with them. So I was like, okay, take, take that character and imagine yourself in the room. Close your eyes and they'll close their eyes. I'm like, okay, imagine yourself in the room with them and try and figure out how you would talk to them how would you get to know them what things would you observe about them would you observe their language would you listen to their body like what is their body language all those words are within text and so if you look at those words 
then you can find out more about the characters. And they were like, oh, okay, 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 okay. But I've definitely tried to incorporate film just because I love it so much. And I figured that they would look at a lot of films more, maybe more than, than novels. But they have, they've just, I love the kids that I teach and tutor. And it's a very rewarding job, especially when you get those breakthrough moments and they're just like, oh, that's what you meant. And I'm like, there we go, yay. You want to celebrate their accomplishments with them. But uh, even having students come in and saying, hey, hey, Miss Jen. I'm like, yes, ma'am. She's like, I got an A on my test. I swear that is one of the best things a, a teacher can hear, you know, or a tutor can hear is that one of your students, you helped one of your students reach a goal of theirs. And so that's always a lot of fun, but it, it's, it's a fun career. <laughs> it's challenging, right. but it's fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm glad you were able to find a method that mm -hmm. uh, works for both you and mm -hmm. the students. But yeah. I wondered, did it always start like that where you had that message and you had that just ability to move the kids or like, how challenging could have, I wonder how, like, how challenging it could have been at first. Cause it... Yeah, <laughs> there are definitely moments, but you almost have to tap into, okay, when I was that age, how was I feeling? What was I thinking about? What was the level of thinking I was operating at? How can I engage these students? And you want to kind of think from their point of view, because if you're thinking from your point of view, it might be a little more challenging to teach them because you're on two different thought levels, right? So for them, it's like, okay, what are some things, like I always ask, what are your interests? And they would say, well, I like this, and I like this, and I like this. I said, okay, great. Here's how we can apply these things to your interests. And they go, oh. Or I'll say, you guys are rock stars with this already. Don't worry about it. Don't let this word freak you out. It sounds really complex. Like there's a word, um, and I said, what's funny is that this word is one of the hardest words to pronounce, one of the hardest words to spell, and yet it literally means all-knowing. And I found that very entertaining. And they were like, what? And I said, just, just let, it, let it marinate for a second. Just give me a second. But they, if you can help them apply what they're learning to real-life situations or things that they are interested in, it's going to be easier for them to learn, especially if you're trying to come from their point of view as well. So you can kind of say, hey, here's the language I need to use with them. Maybe let's use... Um, more simple sentences. That way it's not like you're throwing commas and semicolons and all this at them and they're like, wait, 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 wait. It's like, we're not there yet. That's okay. That's okay. That's totally all right. So you want to use things that help them understand. You don't want to make them understand. You want to help them understand. So if you work with the kids, it's a lot easier. And I mean, I built a lot of, I built wonderful friendships with some of the kids. You know, the tutor, the teacher-student kind of friendships by working with them instead of at them. So you all come out and say, okay, let's stay focused. But for the most part, I'm like, okay, tell me a bit about this. Like, what did you find interesting? And they're like, oh, I, I liked this. I'm like, okay, keep going, keep going. What else can we talk about? And they will dive in there. And by the end, they're like, yeah, and I also thought this was really cool. And, and this was really cool. And, I, and what, what is this? Like, I had a bunch of kids today. Uh, they started asking me about random things. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't taken that subject since like middle school. Okay, uh, let me reach back into the, the warehouse up here. Okay, yeah, I think that's about this. But engaging in those conversations helps them go. It's like they, they feel more comfortable talking to you and learning with you instead of going, I am the student. I am, you know, I'm very small. I'm inferior. You go, no, we're going to learn this together. What are you talking about? And you're like, oh, 
okay. And they're, they're a little more motivated to do it. So sometimes I run into challenges where they're like, I just don't want to do it today. I said, hey, everybody has days like that where we just don't want to do it. But I can promise you that after today, you're going to feel a lot better. And we're going to work through this together until, until we get there. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Awesome. 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 That's <laughs> absolutely beautiful. I absolutely love sharing. It'll just build like friendships with some of these students. Mm-hmm. And they're able to look at you and just think, well, this with Miss Jen, I can do this. Yeah, exactly it's, exactly it's a great feeling i know that's <laughs> it makes me curious it, because of this experience with teaching can you see yourself becoming like maybe a school teacher or a college professor in the future i would like to i've had a couple of professors kind of pitch that idea to me and they're like have you thought about this I'm like i'm thinking about it now <laughs> not yet but i'm thinking about it now but I definitely enjoy teaching and learning with people because every time you teach, you learn more about the subject. Instead of reading it or listening to it, you get to actually talk about it to other people and get their opinion. So you learn a lot. And but I would I I would like to teach one day, maybe you know, after I'm done with my film adventures and stuff like that. If I ever end up going, you know what, it's time for a career change. I don't think that's gonna happen. But <laughs> you know, I can say. I would love to go into teaching and just talk with others and discover their opinions and their viewpoints and learn from them as well. So I think it'd be fun. Beautiful. So <laughs> to start to wrap, uh, wrap up this interview, I have two questions for you. The first you. question, uh, if you could work with any director, any director at all, if it would it be James Cameron or somebody else? I, I'm, I'm loyal to James, James Cameron. It would have to be him. <laughs> I would love to be on set with him. Even if I'm not working as an actual position, just to be able to shadow him and ask him questions. I, even if I could just sit down and be like, hey, do you have 20 minutes I can pick your brain? I would absolutely love that. I think that'd be a dream come true for me. <laughs> so I would love to talk with James Cameron and learn from him because he's inspired me to create so many different stories. That's no, I amazing. would I would love him. That's amazing. We we all are going to be excited to see you just <laughs> receiving your awards for the next story you tell. I'm definitely excited. Thank you. <laughs> one day, maybe. <laughs> one, one day. It's not a matter of if, just when. So, <laughs> after, now for my last question. After looking at what what you've done, both in film and with education. Mm. Do you ever feel like there'll be a peak in your life or do you not want to have a peak? You just want to keep going. I just want to keep learning and keep improving. And I guess for me, I don't really believe in peaks where I just get to the top and I'm like, okay, that's it. And then I kind of coast. I feel like if I always keep applying myself, if I always keep learning, if I look for inspiration and just keep that motivation going up, this is what I want to do. I, I enjoy it. It's a hobby that I've turned into my career that I just want to keep going. It's, let's see what I can do. It's like, what can I, it's almost like a, what does this button do? You know, kind of keep going through and see what this does and see where this goes. You know, what's behind this door. If I open this window, what can I see? So it's always, I just want to keep exploring. I'm a, I'm very adventurous and this career is one that you can really go on some crazy adventures. In, so I just want to keep exploring the world and seeing what I can do with different buttons and different pens and different people and just talk with them and be like, okay, what can we do with this? 
<laughs> right there. That's that's it. That's the perfect way to cap off this this interview. It's an amazing answer. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for episode thirty of the upcoming. I want to give another just big thank you to my guest Jennifer. Thank you so much for bringing your insight and just your expertise and just your wonderful attitude to this show right here. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. All right. All right. Fantastic. So, folks, like I said, that concludes this episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. And be sure to stay tuned. We stream on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. Right now we're on iHeartRadio. And we're going to tune in as well as every place except for Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. One day. Not right now. So in any case, yep, that is it for our show. Uh, have a have a great night, everybody. That is all. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. The best yet to come. Take care, everybody.